0: Hello, welcome to Alone in the Labyrinth, the podcast brought to you by the blog of the same name. I am Sofiño, and in today's inaugural broadcast, I want to bring you five recent posts from across the OSR blogosphere that have caught my eye. Yes, it is Monday, and yet I am bringing you today's five on Friday, which henceforth shall be both an audio experience as well as one which can be read online at aloneinthelabyrinth.blogspot.com So, first up this week is Goblin Punch with a post on birds. Birds. I'm sorry for the emphasis of the previous utterance. Goblin punch. That's right. It's a bit weird otherwise. Goblin punch. Sounds like something you drink. Readers of my blog will already be aware of my embarrassing fanboy stanning for the blog's writer, Arnold Kemp. Um, He's had something of a two-month hiatus and returns here with a post about... birds. There's an old post on the same site, entitled Taming the Mouse, where Arnold first presented his bestiary, The Book of Mice, and that bestiary, as the post accompanies it, explains, is inspired by medieval ideas about how the world around them functions, such as the notion of spontaneous generation. So, in the post. Arnold mentions that uh, medieval people were fully aware that mice could have babies. They saw the evidence when they found baby mice or snuffed out a mouse nest somewhere behind their medieval skirting boards. If they had skirting boards, I don't know. Probably not. Um, But at the same time, whilst they were aware of that form of reproduction, they also believed that mice could spontaneously generate from the muddy banks of rivers during... The warmer weather of April it was a theory that was based upon the empirical evidence as they saw it that in April suddenly mice appeared out of nowhere. Similar theories abounded with um, the appearance of maggots in rotting flesh or weevils in flour. They appeared to materialize rather than being placed there. Um, this idea of spontaneous generation has potential application in fantasy settings, as it gives mundane creatures more fantastical backgrounds, which was the basis of the Book of Mice. Anyway, where am I going with this? I think that this post is a continuation of this concept, although I've not been able to identify the provenance of the mythology that it expounds. In fact, it may be entirely original. I don't know. There's definitely the feel of medieval or pre medieval cosmology coming into play in the way that birds are understood. And Andrew? There is no Andrew. Arnold <laughs> utilises that be- beautifully and gives you something which you can drop into play. I was also reminded of um, Jack Vance a little bit in the section about. I don't have it in front of me, but there's a section about a village where the inhabitants disguise themselves as fledgling birds with masks, so that these giant birds will feed them regurgitated fish, and consequently the whole village never wants for nutrition, and this makes them, well, to outsiders, it makes them appear lazy. And there's something like I can completely imagine, like a kugel, which rhymes with google, if you are interested. Google in the Dying Earth Saga happening on a community like that and probably causing absolute havoc. But yeah, it's totally a, a thing you could drop into your campaign world in a, when your party start wandering off into the wilderness. So yeah, have a look. That's that Goblin Punch. It's the latest post dated January the 31st and is titled Birds. So one of the reasons I decided to do this recording is that I needed to have a break from writing and I thought it would actually be easier to speak directly into a microphone. But after several efforts, I found that I'm not as agile um, vocally, yeah, or able to improvise as (laughs) comprehensively as I previously thought. There is no backspace key in recording, or rather there is, but it's much, much, much more tedious. Or someone like me. So, um, yeah, I kind of started to write out uh, what I was going to say, then read it back, um, which defeated the object. So, hmm, this may be the first and last broadcast that you hear. Uh, next, I am going to bring your attention to the half Minotaur farmer, aka John Irwin, whom I'm not sure if I first happened upon him on Twitter or on the Questing Beast Discord. He's kind of familiar to me from the former, but a little more active on the latter. But yeah, he's certainly one of the people who has eased my transition to that platform. That's probably a poor choice of words. But I think that Twitter is a very weird environment to inhabit if you're not accustomed to it. It's very, very noisy, kind of a consequence of that. You're not able to make your voice uh, heard very easily because of the the noise, I guess. So it was nice to meet someone online who was uh, very supportive um, at the same time as being a good content provider. (laughs) I hate this terminology Um, in their own right. Anyway, his blog, Half Minotaur Farmer, regularly has some good stuff there. I encourage you to have a look at it. This post, which I've selected, the most recent one, is concerned with an ongoing project of his, which is sort of um, rehabilitating 4th edition D&D. This is something which I've noticed a number of people are tackling this year, so I think we're going to see a couple of like, retro clones emerge. And if you hear that and you're an OSR aficionado, you might balk at the application of the term retro clone, refer to something which isn't retro but actually it kind of is now you know we're coming up for a good decade nearly is it yeah probably i don't have facts in front of me but you know it's a long time since that edition was published and there's talk of a sixth edition which would make it two editions old so there you go it's also um seen as something well i think like like 3.5 edition D&D and then 4th edition together kind of galvanised the creation of the OSR as a reaction to those two projects. Anyway, I'm rambling now. The point is, is that um, this post is about using hit points as uh, a resource for powers in a 4th edition adaptation. I don't play, or well, I haven't ever played any 4th edition but I am familiar with the uh, Kind of familiar with the way that powers operate. You have like daily powers and counter powers, like at will powers, and also you have bags and bags and bags of hit points. And uh, John here kind of utilizes that as a resource which is used to, which is expended in order to utilize powers. I think uh, most old school games are very much about marshalling or managing your resources um, of which the most precious is of course HP so I think any mechanic which contributes to that phenomenon is, is worth looking at like, I personally quite enjoy HP for magic, actually I do it as hit dice but um, both hmm, Marquis <laughs> Marquis or Marquis <laughs> um, that's Marquis Hartis and uh, Pandatheist of Bonebox Chant have come up with hit point based magic systems I think Pandatheist might be actually just another reimagining of um, Marquis's, uh work but yeah check out John's post and see what you think So I've included the latest post from Skirpals over at Coins and Scrolls um, in this week's five uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, he has compiled um, a bestiary from, uh, based upon the work of Lucas Roussel, um, who uh, I'm not familiar with, so it's the first time I came across it. but. Um, Something called World of Rust, which I think is a a fully-fledged RPG, Um, albeit one that's in French. (laughs) Um, And Skirples has put together a list of his monsters, together with Lucas's illustrations, come up with some encounter tables and a Glog-style table, and it's free for you to download from his website, Very generous with his resources and his knowledge is Mr. Skirple's and we're all very grateful for him for being that way. The artwork, as some comments have pointed out, is very reminiscent of Mobius, which is possibly why Skirple suggests that you can drop this into Ultraviolet Grasslands, which is by another Luke by Luca. Is it Rejek? I'm familiar. Um, you see these names in writing and they're from all over the world, and when you're boneheaded more unlike me, um, you find yourself clumsily stumbling your way through. Uh, so apologies there. The second thing I included this post um, was because of uh, the advice which Skirples, uh dishes out again for free, and we are very grateful for uh, your generosity, uh, concerning world builders and artists and illustrators who produce beautiful landscapes, characters, uh, technology, vehicles, um, without any kind of contextual framework. They just make worlds, which is incredible and great. But a lot of the time, they don't give themselves a framework for that, any kind of real-world context, by which I mean like a game or... A novel or graphic novel or something like that instead it just kind of floats around receiving upvotes and perhaps a few orders for prints but you know and what Scarpel suggests is that would-be designers RPG designers that is, and writers approach these artists and say hey do you want to work together on making this into a tabletop game which as uh, Scurples points out can only at worst be met with an No response, (laughs) which could be a no in response or no response at all. The best possible outcome is a possibility that they say yes and you end up collaborating with someone and making the greatest game ever. So, yeah, consider that. Okay, and number four is um, Signs in the Wilderness. This blog, I think I came across it in the world-building sub on Reddit rather than an RPG sub. But the author is creating a kind of 1700s uh, fantasy setting. And there was a beautiful post which I shared a long while back about... Um, something like uh shining lights in the wilderness like uh, the where you it's a list, basically it's a series of tables enabling you to create like a colony of religious exiles it's really well constructed and as with every well constructed table delivered a multitude of fascinating combinations anyway here this isn't strictly uh, gameable content but something that I think anyone engaged in any old school or even just standard dungeoneering style play should consider, because here uh, the author reviews a first-hand account of the Cortez's conquest of Central America, and what the site author looks at here is the parallels between the behaviour of the conquistadors, reprehensible colonialists that they were, with your standard adventuring party who goes out into the wilderness encounters uh, a foreign culture decimates it steals its treasure and then goes back to their home city um and showered in praise and glory um so yeah it's about colonialism in ttrpgs mm, kind of obliquely um and something that I think we should all be considering, especially as I read a post, I think it was on Twitter, about uh, Tomb of Annihilation and a colonial analysis of that. Why did Wizards decide to, now I'm not familiar with the Forgotten Realms setting, but Chult, as I understand it, is kind of an ersatz Africa to the whatever the Forgotten Realms' is equivalent of Europe is. And it's immediately expected that parties do not come from chalked PCs, do not originate here. And this is a land of uh, forgotten civilization and culture, which is chasing the past rather than immersing itself in its present. And the fact that they're being exploited by uh, mainland power is kind of overlooked. So parallels there with real world history, yes. But does this necessarily make for uh, fun interesting or uh, play free of moral baggage. Maybe not. Um, something to consider at your table, especially if you're building and setting from, from the start. Anyway, final post is Talon's RPG Corner. Uh, Talon, month or so ago, posted up a list of all the RPG Kickstarters that were currently operating for the month of December, I think, and I hadn't seen him post before, so I commented to say, well... Wow, That's a thorough undertaking. They said, yep, I do it every month. And then I said, well, good luck in February when ZineQuest starts because there will be like 100,000 billion. And um, this was a little while ago. And then a couple of days I received a notification that the aforementioned Talon had replied to say, hey, I've done it. Um, Well, it's actually, yeah, two days ago. And I posted all of the Quest projects which are currently up on Kickstarter, including ones that haven't launched yet, but have like a pre-launch page. Uh, It's a wonderful piece. If you have infinite time, go there and look at every single one. If you don't have infinite time, I don't know what to suggest. Um, Look at as many as you can. Well, definitely have a look at Willow by Shane Walsh. Full disclosure, I have backed it. It just is beautiful. The illustration is beautiful, sort of a mic. it's described as a micro setting and there are resources galore, very graphic heavy, but lots of tables and it is designed for use directly at the table. It's kind of a deep green monochrome print, it looks chef's kiss, if you couldn't hear that. There's stuff by Questing Beast up there as well, a new adventure, I think it's called Willoughby Hall. Um, there's also uh, four adventures being uh, published by Soul Muppet Publishing, which I think, uh, while they're ostensibly designed for the best-left-buried game system, are definitely fully adaptable to other systems. And they've got four like top authors on board, including uh, RPG SEA um, Southeast Asia's um, zx who I just think is one of the most interesting... RPG designers out there at the moment um, I mean I don't have the name of the illustrator with whom he works on the, at the tip of my tongue right now but oh man between them they produce beautiful stuff. I think this one is actually is teaming up with the regular Best Left Buried guy. Um, the artwork for their, that particular piece is very much in the Best Left Buried style but ZX writing is phenomenal so um, and the three others I'm sure are very good as well. So, anyway, there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff for you to take a look at. So, yeah, follow that. All the links for today's Five and Friday are provided on my blog. It's probably taking you a lot longer to listen to than it would um, for you to read it. Uh, that's alone in the labyrinth, one word, dot Um Yeah, I'm going to try this again. I'm not sure if this format is really suitable for me, but uh, it's nice to kind of talk to myself in my weird attic garret as I look out across the vista of my new home. Back once again in the British Isles, which weirdly, pretty much within weeks of me landing, have ostracised themselves from the rest of Europe. Um, yeah, I'm far from my. For the past six years, Vietnam has been my home really, and uh, unfortunately, my wife and son are still there for the next few months, and um, we're going to be apart. So. Maybe I will use this platform as a way by which to communicate with you guys. That sounds sinister and weird, doesn't it? but um, yeah, it might assist with the loneliness All right, thanks for listening um I'll probably play some horrible music now. Bye bye It's a long way.